welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Just want to encourage everybody that today is, you've heard it, you know what it is, it's Mother's Day, but the, every, how many know that um, even if you're not a mother, you have a mother? How many know that? And what the day is about is honoring our mothers, okay? And uh, the Bible says to honor your mother and your father. And so, uh, to the guys that are married, honor your wives, but make sure also you honor your mom. Uh, Chris and myself are leaving this afternoon to go up and uh, see my mom, who's elderly, 89, and just dealing with, she'll be 89 in a couple of months, but dealing with all the issues of aging and sight and balance and not being able to drive and all of those things, but we're helping them move. And then my brother Phil will be up tomorrow to help. And it's just a transition. But we've got a big old planter with, it's beautiful, and it's got like a heart-shaped, two heart-shaped leaves, and then a thing that says mom on it. Just something put in, it says mom. And so we're going to give that to her tonight. And I'm just I'm so appreciative for my mom and what she's meant to me. Chris, would you hand me the umbrella? Um, thank you. No, there's no leak here in the roof. Uh, I think we've fixed that temporarily anyway. Um, but I want to talk with you today about witnessing home style. Witnessing home style. And in the bulletin of your program, you can fill in, uh, fill in notes. You can also, uh, on your smartphone, if you have the Version Bible app, uh, it's free. You can download it. Um, six months ago, it, it was 50 million believers worldwide were using it. It's free. It's growing so rapidly, it wouldn't surprise me if there's 75 or 80 million people now using this. But what you do, you go to um, version, the Bible app, uh, just click on that, and then down at, at the bottom, the lower right hand, there's, uh, it says more. You hit more. And the next page will come up, and then three things down. Uh, the third item is events. You click on that, and what will pop up is all the churches in the county that are using this, and Grace Assembly of God will be number one because this is where we are. This is our location. How many know that they're tracking you right now? And you all, you all, are, you all are worried about the government knowing what you're doing? You have no clue. People, listen, industry and people that are making money know more about you than you probably know yourself. They know where you are right now. How many are aware of that? They know what you're going to do, and, uh, and the things will pop up. Just, it'll say, just for you. That's, okay, yeah, all right. So anyway, but you can go there, and um, if the Wi-Fi access for Grace Guest uh, the Wi-Fi access is simply GRACE, G-R-A-C-E, capital G, 2303. You can go there. All right. Well, the main point that I want to share with you today is that witnessing that begins at home is the most effective kind of witnessing. 
Our families are a sacred trust that God gives to us. And witnessing and living out a sincere faith at home is where God intends for it to begin. And it's the most effective form of witnessing. We're in a series called Witnesses. So I call this witnessing home style. And the best way that I can illustrate that is when you live at home, it's like sharing an umbrella with somebody. How many have ever shared an umbrella with somebody? Yes, and you know you've got to flow together or one of you or both of you are going to get wet. How many know that? So husband and wives, those are from Mars and those are from Venus. Those opposite attracts, you get together and if it's a small umbrella and you just got to get really close so that you can move together. Well, our witnessing at home is the most effective kind of witnessing, and I also call this living under the umbrella of God's grace. I'm, I'm most blessed today from my mom and dad. There are 40, 44, uh, 44 people, including themselves, and their children, uh, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. There's 44 of us. This morning, as I speak, 43 of 44 are devoutly following the Lord Jesus. Can someone say, thank you, Lord? Amen. And, and we're believing for the next one. Now, also, along with that, excuse me, I have no idea what this is, but we're going to, yeah. I put something on Craigslist one morning, a rototiller for sale. And I had a duck call on this crazy thing. And four times during the messages, quack, 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 people were calling about the duck call. <laughs> All right, yeah. But there's something about home style where it gets real, real quick. And you all know what I'm talking about because it's, Family shared space, family shared space. And in my own life, the prayers and the family devotions, and we were raised with this, what would Jesus do way before the bracelets became popular, but that faithful living out. And I was blessed to grow up in a church that we also shared the same space where all eyes were on you, all hearts were on you, and in many cases, hands also but all prayer was on you. And I'm the beneficiary of people that lived and modeled grace and Jesus Christ in my life, both grace and truth. And I recall vividly the Sunday evening altar services where everyone went to the altar, and particularly as a teen and a young adult in college. And I went to the altar, and there were times that I really didn't feel like going, but I didn't want anyone to know how backslidden I really was. And I'd go to the altar, but those deacons would pray for me. And I still remember them, Boyd Miller and Harold Case and Bob Jane, great big guys who could have been interior linemen. And they weren't, the, they weren't known for being so articulate, but their heart and their hands, and they'd pray for me. And just short prayers, oh God, we know the plans that you have for Paul, and we love him, and we ask you to bless his lives. About seven seconds, that's all it took. But that deeply, deeply impacted my life. And 
And I believe there's a lesson for us to be learned as a church, how important it is for us to seek God together and to be involved in people's lives. There's also a lot of funny things that happened in church. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, they, you know, they wanted to discipline us, and they had, I like to, I say now, their own delivery system of disciplining uh, might have been illegal today, I don't know. Uh, someone in the first service shared with me they were in a church um, and uh, the, the young boy was acting up and the pastor came right down off the, the platform, the stage, put the kid over his shoulder like this and carried him out and the little boy is going, pray for me, pray for me, like that. So uh, I've been carried out of church more than once and... Uh, but I didn't dare say anything. I mean, it only is just worse. But, but there was, it's living home style where it gets real, real quick. And it's a, a precious privilege and an opportunity for us to pass on a real faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want to read the scriptures this morning and, and then we're going to look into uh, look, unpack this. Paul said, we're going to read uh, verses 3 through 7. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And Timothy was a young man who was timid and easily discouraged. But he went on to become a giant in the faith and a young man that was set as a pastor or elder over several churches in the New Testament. He said, so I thank God who I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. You can just underline forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Paul begins to describe himself as a spiritual father or a mentor in Timothy's life. I remember you in my prayers night and day. They're invested in us. I long to see you. This isn't a paid coach. This is someone who has an invested a vested interest in you because God has put you on their heart and they want to see you grow in the Lord. Even as I recall your tears, people who are spiritual fathers are not turned off by our weaknesses, but rather they see that as a point of where God's grace and where our love can make a difference in them. He said, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, the sincere faith which first dwelt in your grandmother, and now your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul was involved involved to the point of praying and laying his hands on Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline or a sound mind. The first thing I want to share with you, the first point in your notes is this. The scriptures show us the way. Timothy was timid, and he lived in a pagan world, a Greek world of, of philosophies, and many of them were contrary to God and the one true God. And he was the product of a home where his mother was a devout Jewish person who 
embraced Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but his father was a Greek, a pagan. And yet, because of his mother and because of his grandmother, Timothy embraced the Lord Jesus Christ because of home-style witnessing. A sincere faith is, this is the first fill-in, a sincere faith is knowing God, it's finding freedom, it's living God's purpose and making a difference. A sincere faith is nurtured by many, hands and hearts, nurtured by many. His mother, his grandmother, Paul's sincere faith was handed down to him by his forefathers. And Paul was the spiritual father. This morning I was, I was sitting here reflecting about the spiritual legacy that God has privileged me with. It goes back that I know of at least to six generations. My grandmother was born in New Brunswick, Maine in 1890. And her parents were devout followers of Jesus Christ, good Baptist people. So sensitive to the Lord that they wouldn't cook on Sunday. Everything was prepared Saturday and then put in the spring house. But as good Christians, they did eat on Sunday. How about that? We do have freedom in the Lord. So, yeah. But it goes all the way back there, six generations. We thank God for it. But it's nurtured by many hands and hearts. Moms and dads, as you pray for your children, your faith has the ability to overcome so that in that day, Timothy should have followed by convention of that day his father's faith or lack of it. But Eunice, his mom, and Lois, his grandmother, lived out this life, and Timothy, in spite of his dad, followed the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul also says that we should rekindle the fire of our faith. It's an exceedingly precious gift that the Lord has given to us. And then in verse 7, the seeds of a sincere faith produce a lifelong harvest. Paul said, God has not given us the spirit of fear. We live in a in a day, to this spirit of this age, the steady drumbeat of the spirit of this age is to confuse and to intimidate. How many understand that? I read a lot of news. I, I just, I, that's what I just do. I love information. But I've determined that the news apps that I have and what I see, it only takes me about two seconds to discern where an article's going. You can find out in the first two sentences. It's either going to bash one side or bash the other, and you can figure out the agenda. And I, agenda, I just, a bit, I go on to the next one. Our reality of the church of Jesus Christ is not found in the hateful means of this world, but in the reality of Jesus Christ. He is the one true rock. He is the living word. 
He will not change. Can someone say amen? He does not change. He alone gives life. And so the seeds of a sincere faith produce a lifelong harvest of stability and identity. Paul said of power. That power refers to spiritual power, but it refers to a spiritual identity that we are his, we're Christ. And when you have an identity, when you know who you are, it empowers you to live that life and to say, as Paul would later say, I know whom I have believed. It produces love and also discipline to make God-honoring and healthy choices. Paul said that his forefathers prepared him to experience Jesus Christ in a dramatic way. His forefathers embraced the very best of what it meant to be the people of God as they serve God as Jewish people. And Paul never said when he came to the Lord that that was the end of his previous faith. He said, no, this is a, a fulfillment. I've accepted Christ as the Messiah. He never did away with his Jewish faith, but he said, I've accepted him as my Messiah. And the Lord Jesus Christ has now appeared from heaven. He's revealed to us salvation and what it means to live for God. The second thing I want to share with you is this, is uh, from the scriptures, is influencing our families for God. I do have a question this morning that I think is fundamental. Do you desire to pass on God's joy, his love, his power, and sound mind to your family? How many desire that? That's what you want this morning? Yes, that's what you want this morning. So it begins with intent. Does your purpose for your family agree with God's purposes? Does the purpose for your family agree with God's purposes? Because when we align our life with the purposes of God, he blesses the work of our hands. We align our lives with his purposes. It means that we invite God into the equation of our families. Whether you're a mom today, a dad today, a forefather, grandparent, uncle, no matter who it is, a spiritual father, we've invited God into the process rather than trying to do this on our own. He is the good, good father of all. And so when we pray, when we pray, the Lord prays with us. And so the follow-up question is, what would the answers to your prayers be? What would the answers for your children, what would they be today? What are you praying for, for your, for your kids and for your family? Verse 9 tells us to start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind, the priorities. I, I want to I say something today is this. When our priorities are God's priorities, and when we've invited him into the process, we allow our children to be open to God, and we reinforce it as we live that out. If we pass away before the Lord Jesus Christ returns for his church, and if they come and we are in that 
funeral home in that casket and they pass us by, no one will ever say and wish that their mother or father worked more hours to get more things. How many know what I'm talking about? Yes. No one will remember, just, just hear me now, because I'm, and you can say amen or ouch. How many tournaments, sports, swim, dance, athletics, different types of competitions, no one will thank us for burning them out at a young age and having priorities where God was not first in their life. How many hear what I'm saying? Parents, grandparents, family, we only get one shot at this thing. And I, I just want to encourage you, there's a balance and there's a way to do things. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this morning of, uh, of Noah Seagears, Rob and Linda Seagears' son. Some of you know Rob and Linda Seagears. He's pastoring this morning. They, they've done such a wonderful job of balancing things. And his son is now playing center field for Virginia Tech. That's a Division I program as a freshman. And now he's starting. Can, you know, I won't say, can you say amen, because that's not necessarily spiritual, but they've done a good job. <clears throat> but what I want to say is this. What I want to say. It's important that we expose our children to things so they can be well-rounded. That's important. But through it all, through it all, the main thing in home-style witnessing and in this sacred trust that we have that they, our kids, grow up knowing that the highest priority is pleasing God with our life and that our priorities are those things that back that up in their lives. Is there any more amens of that? Yeah. It was interesting. I just read the other day of the homeschooled young lady from Falston that they have discovered, lacrosse player, some of you might have read that, she is a phenomenal athlete, homeschooled, homeschooled. If your child has the talent, it makes no difference how many travel teams you're on or if you're homeschooled or whatever, it will come out and they'll seek them out. How many understand that? Uh, not too, okay, all right. What I'm getting at is what would Jesus do? What are the priorities to develop in them so that they have a stable faith and a sense of identity in Jesus Christ rather than just their accomplishments, whether they be athletic or academic? And... Our daughters, uh, one was a very good athlete. Uh, uh, they're all been excellent students, and so we understand that. We, you know, I had a, one of our daughters is a, is a PhD. She's never got anything less than an A anywhere, anytime. And as someone said to me, they said, man, we've never seen a daughter take after their mother so much, okay? And that <laughs> It's not me. Yeah. It's all well and good. 
you know, I just talk with her after all this. And she is so good and loves the Lord. And they're bringing their little daughters up, you know, in, in the Lord. But you know what she's considering? She's, she's considering resigning from her professorship at the University of Arkansas. She's a researcher, heads of department. And she said, Dad, I've just come to the place where I don't know if I can, a mother of two young kids, three years old and a few months old, I just have serious doubt that I have what it takes to give to be the mother I know I have to be and, the, and the, in the academic world what they want me to be. Now, that's a personal choice. That's just hers and hers alone. But I commend her for that. And, it, and we would, we're just as proud of her either way, you know, to say if she goes this way, she goes that way. She hasn't reached that point yet. But what I'm getting at is this. There are some things in life that we have a sacred trust, and that, that home-style witnessing, there's no better time to do it, and it's, nothing's as effective as that. And so <clears throat> start with the end in mind. Be faithful in your own house and be faithful in God's house. And then influence. Rekindle your own faith so that you can say, I know who I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able. I know who I believe and I'm convinced that he is able. I, I want to, rekindling the Holy Spirit or the gift within you, your salvation even will start there. It says... Oh, God, Holy Spirit, would you allow, would, would you help me rekindle that first love for you where in the middle of the night I wake up and there's the sweet presence of God in my life rather than all the cares of this world? Lord, will you help me pour in your grace and your wine and your oil in my life? Will you help me to be what you have prayed for me? Lord, I want to rekindle my own faith so I can pass it on to my kids. They're too important for me to do anything else. I just can't throw it up in the wind and hopefully it settles down in the right place. Lord, I want to rekindle my faith in you. And then nurture a sincere faith and connect your children to spiritual mothers and fathers in your life. I'm, I can't tell you how thankful and grateful I am to Grace Assembly. The vision of this house was started over 25 years ago to reach and equip families in Harford County because I believe that families and children are the cornerstone of society and culture. That's what the vision of this house is. And so on Wednesday nights you'll come, the place is buzzing, and we have, uh, we, we have ministry for all ages, and the, and the kids even, once they get through nursery, at three years old they start in what they call rainbows, and that's really neat to watch them. But we have rainbows, and we have girls' clubs, and we have the boys' clubs, the Christ-centered uh, camping, impact for girls, 
Then they go to Remix, and Pastor Bobby and Amber, they have a team of eight or ten leaders. They're, in a sense, spiritual fathers, but their people are involved in them, in their lives. And then uh, there's also war room moms. I would hate to be the demon that they're praying against. I'm just telling you that. These are a group of moms that pray for their kids in college. Is that Pam, right? They faithfully meet together, and Alicia helps you and Alicia co-lead that. They call out to God for their kids. They call out to God. They claim the promises of God. They claim the reality of God in their children's and their young adults' lives. And it makes all the difference in the world. Connect them to spiritual fathers what do I mean is that, I listen, I understand coaches. I, had, I played sports, and, and I had, there's certain coaches that I made a real connection with. But the connections that have lasted me for a lifetime were those men in my church that invested in me. Even something as simple as driving the bus, and we used Harold Case used to drive the bus, pick up people, and, and they didn't have a way to church. And we always rode the bus after Sunday morning because he always stopped at the Atlantic station. How many remember the Atlantic gas stations with the red ball thing? Anyone remember that? They used to put it back in the days when you had antennas on cars. Yeah, and they had a soda machine there. So you put a dime in, and you can get the soda you want or a Yoo-Hoo. We just thought Yoo-Hoo's were the greatest thing in the world. And Harold paid for it every week out of his own dime. And so here we are, even in high school, believe it or not, right in the back, and, and he'd go over these bumpy roads and hit, you know. I mean, we just thought it was great. That's the memories that I have. Those people impacted my life. They were there for me, with me. They walked through some things together, always believing in me. Connect your people, your kids to the right people who love them. We, we've walked through a um, particularly challenging time the last couple of years with one of our grandchildren, and yet, um, and yet he's in one of the children's programs uh, downstairs, and, uh, it, and it extends actually, now he's in middle school, and you know, and, and I talk with his, his, uh, the guy in charge. They call him Commander, Commander Harry. And Harry says, Pastor Paul, I remember I went through a time when I was a kid and my parents, and it was just my dad had passed away and how alone it was. And, you know, and, and, I, and, and he, he just sees the absolute best in him. And now when it's his choice, you know, he's still coming on Wednesday nights. That's connecting them to someone that believes in them in the household of faith. And I want to end with this. Know that the Holy Spirit will guard what you entrust to him, including your family. Yeah. In my family, as I mentioned, there's 44 and there's 43 that are following Jesus. There's one. But we know that God is concerned and can reach places that we can't reach. He's concerned. The scripture tells us the hundred, hundred sheep were in the 
sheepfold and the shepherd counted 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Where's 100? Where's number 100? Where's number 100? And it was at nighttime. And yet he left all to go out and search for that one individual because everyone matters to God. And he's not content with a 99% batting average. How many know what I mean? And so even when you feel that you cannot reach them, as we model and live and practice and pray in faith for them, the Holy Spirit is sort of, I like to say it's like this satellite. And no matter how big the wall is and how impenetrable and how high it is, when our words can't get through, the Holy Spirit is faithful and he can go on the other side of that wall. Can someone say amen? Yes, God is there. And Paul said, I know who I am believed and I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him. And this is the good news, church. That even extends to your family if you've entrusted them to the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Amen. That's the word of the Lord today. That's his word for us. We can hand on a, a, a faith that plants seeds for the future, but God is also at work. Praise his name. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to bless you in just a moment. I'm going to pray for you. Do you bow your heads with me? Bow your eyes.